Employment Hour right here. The number, as always, 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior. It is Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff to cover today on the show, brother, but we always get to the uh, the week that was first. Hey, John, thank you very much, and really glad to always be back here uh, on our weekend shows to talk about employment law and workplace rights and uh, advise, educate people. And, you know, John, we uh, we always take emails and, and, and during the week take uh, phone calls, but that's a small fraction of the people mm-hmm. that I speak with every single day, every single week, uh, every single month uh, that have uh, questions, that want to know about their workplace rights. And that, that's great. You know, it, it all starts with picking up the phone or sending an email and asking a question, is this right? Am I owed something? Right. Can my employer do this? You know, very important questions. So don't be afraid. Don't hesitate. And, and you know, hopefully by the time we're done here, you'll learn more about those workplace rights and some of the questions you may have had either situations you're dealing with right now or just things you've always wondered. Hopefully those will be answered. And to get us uh, going here, uh, let's talk about a couple of situations, Johnny. First situation, uh, an interesting uh, uh, you know, harassment slash discrimination issue uh, involved a gentleman uh, that I spoke with very recently. Uh, he had worked for a company uh, as, a, as a laborer for several years. Now, he's a black gentleman, and he was working over the past year or so with a co-worker who apparently was a bit of a racist. And we know this because he uh, would talk uh, in a very demeaning mm-hmm. way to this gen- to the gentleman that, that called me, use uh, racial slurs, things that I will yeah. never, ever repeat on the radio, completely inappropriate uh, comments that, that you know, I, I, I still have a hard time believing people use. Now, uh, the gentleman uh, did the right thing, and he went to talk to his employer, and he said, here's what's happening. I have to work with this guy. Here's how he's treating me. Here's how he's talking to me. Can you do something about it? Literally, the only thing the company did is say something to the effect of, oh, behave, you guys. That's it. Nice. And, and they, they made light of it. They didn't do anything about it. Uh, and things continued. And it got to the point where this gentleman, you know, taking it seriously, ended up seeking medical treatment. He was very stressed out about it. He hated going to work. Uh, he start, started suffering from anxiety uh, and to the point that he's now currently off work. And he wanted to know, what does this mean? Do I have to get back there to work? Do I have to tolerate this? Isn't this discrimination? Well, yes, it absolutely is. Uh, so what he has suffered through is uh, discriminatory harassment. He's being harassed, and he's being harassed because the color of his skin. Now, he did exactly what I told him I would have told him he should have done, is to speak to the employer, to give the employer the chance to fix you the bet. problem. And instead, they didn't do that. They didn't fix the problem. They made light of it. Arguably, by doing that, they've empowered the other guy. They've empowered the guy that was behaving improperly. Uh, and put this gentleman now in a very difficult situation. So, so now this results in two things. Number one, it's a constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. They've created a poison work environment. They created a, a discriminatory environment. He certainly doesn't have to take that. So now we can get him out of there with severance. So that's number one. But number two, and just as important, is now that's a human rights issue. There's discrimination and, and discriminatory harassment going on in the workplace, and the employer knows about it and, th- and doesn't do anything about it. That's illegal. You have a right to do that as an employer. You have to take measures and stop discrimination, stop discriminatory harassment, 
stop other harassment. Yeah. And they refuse to do it here. So there's a human rights uh, claim coming this company's way as well, in addition to uh, a claim for constructive dismissal. So if you're listening to us right now, you don't have to tolerate harassment. You certainly don't have to tolerate discrimination. There are legal recourses and legal rights. So remember that. If you're in that situation, give me a call. Massive screw-up by, uh, by that employer. Like, the biggest. And such an easy fix. Totally. You just deal with it. Say, yep. no, you do this again, we're going to let you go. That's it. Yep. And you know what? I bet you that stops. They didn't do that, uh, and uh, yeah, now, now it's a, a problem. Got a couple minutes. What else you got? Second situation, John. A company called me. Uh, this uh, this uh, new employer, small employer, bought a, a restaurant uh, okay. a couple years back. And uh, before they bought the restaurant, all the employees of the restaurant were terminated by the previous owner. The company, the new owner, took on the restaurant, hired all these employees, and recently wanted to let go the chef. Uh, now, the chef has been with the, with the previous company for 12 years. And he thought, okay, well, he was terminated two years ago by the old restaurant. He's only been with me for two years, so I have to pay him severance on the basis of two years. No, 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 doesn't work that way at all. Even though he was, quote, unquote, terminated by the company selling the business, as soon as he was hired by the new owner, the new owner inherited the service. So really that old termination was meaningless. When a company buys a business and takes on employees, they usually automatically inherit the service. It doesn't matter if they've been terminated previously. So now he has a a 12-year employee on his hands and he's going to have to pay him a year's worth of severance instead of maybe of a couple of months' worth of severance. So there's an important lesson there for employees, number one, to know if you're uh, continuing to work with a new buyer and the business is sold, your service continues. Your service gets uh, inherited by the new buyer. And for a company that buys the business, the only way you can avoid inheriting the service is to have an employee sign an employment agreement that makes it clear that previous service is not going to be recognized. Otherwise, you inherit service and you inherit all kinds of liability, and that's what happened with this restaurant. Is there a a time frame? Because you said a couple years and then he was rehired. Is there a time frame where it no longer count? Well, here's the thing. No, so so he had worked there for ten years. Right. He was terminated, and the next day he was rehired oh, okay. by the There's, new owner. Yeah, there was no delay. No, absolutely. But he thought because they were, he was terminated no. and rehired the next day. It doesn't work that way. Service gets inherited, and uh, now he has a twelve-year employee on his hands. Things you should never do without calling Lior first. We'll get to that list and some of your emails as well. It's Lior at employmenthour.com. The number anytime, 1-855-821-5900. It is the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900. Lior at employmenthour.com. Through email, if you haven't checked it out, go to severancepaycalculator.com. I want to touch on that before we get into our uh, topic for uh, for this weekend's show. Severance Pay Calculator. I love this tool. John, and, and a lot of people love this tool, and, and it saved a lot of people a lot of money and certainly informed and educated a lot of people. Uh, it's uh, it's a place you go to if you lost your job or if you're losing your job or you're, you're curious about what would happen if you did lose your job. Severancepaycalculator.com is the address. You input your age, your position, and the length of your employment, and you're done. That's it. You don't have to do anything else. It tells you right there whether you're owed two months, seven, six months, 24 months, anything else in between. You find out it's free, it's easy to use, and it's accurate. And so many people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people have used it and and found out that their severance is not adequate. And because of that, they knew at that point that they have to take action. They have to do something to improve their severance offer. Uh, without it, they may 
not have known. They may have, uh, may have fallen for some of the misconceptions out there. So don't fall for misconceptions yourself. You now know the address. You know the tool, severancepaycalculator.com. And, of course, always tell others about it as well. Things you should never do without calling Lior. First one on our list, arguably the biggest one here, contact the Ministry of Labor for advice. Holy vague. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about a few things that if you're in one of those situations – I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to do those things without speaking to me first. Let me assess whether what you're going to do is fine. So we're going to talk about how you keep out of trouble, how you don't compromise your legal rights. So the first thing I don't want you to do without talking to me first is contact the Ministry of Labor for advice. Now, let, let's break this down here. There are things that the Ministry of Labor can help mm-hmm. with, okay? And, and for example, overtime or if your employer miscalculated your vacation pay. Right. Yes, it is appropriate to contact the Ministry of Labor for. There's things that are completely inappropriate to contact the Ministry of Labor for where not only can they not help you, they can actually provide misleading information. Termination is one of them. If you lost your job, you cannot, should not, ever, without any exception, Go to the Ministry of Labor for advice. They can only advise with respect to your minimum entitlements, mm-hmm. not your full entitlements. That could be confusing, and you may lose tens of thousands of dollars in severance in, in that process. The other thing you shouldn't go to the Ministry of Labor about is constructive dismissal. If you've been constructively dis- constructively dismissed, your employer has changed the terms of employment, Ministry of Labor can't help you. Human rights issues, harassment issues, none of those are things that the Ministry of Labor can help you with. Okay, so really, when the Ministry of Labor can help you with monetary things, vacation, overtime, uh, hours of work, those types of things, and that's it. So if you're going to contact them, unless it's vacation, overtime, hours of work, call me first. Let me tell you if this is something the Ministry of Labor can help you with. If they can, I'll say yes. Call them. Here's the number. Otherwise, let me see if I can help you or refer you to someone that can help you. Don't contact the Ministry of Labor to get the wrong advice, certainly when it comes to termination of employment. I've, I've personally dealt with dozens and dozens of matters where people called the Ministry of Labor, got the wrong advice, accepted inadequate severance right. as a result, and then I can't get them out of it because they accepted it. Don't let that happen to you. That, that, I mean, that's got to be the biggest red flag under this topic is that severance because everyone thinks, oh, yeah, mystery told me a week per year, two weeks per year. Sounds right to me. And bang, they're out thousands of dollars. Thousands, tens, tens of thousands yeah. of dollars. Happens every single day. It's, it's, it's shocking to me. You know, if, if you think about it, John, there are people listening to us right now that over the years have done that, contacted the Ministry of Labor, and they may not have realized uh, that the, that's what's happening, but they accepted inadequate severance, or maybe they went on a Ministry of Labor website, and they said, oh, it's a week per year. Mm-hmm. Okay, they offered me a week and a half per year, so I'm going to accept Aren't it. Aren't they nice? Aren't they generous? Yeah. Uh, when, in fact, it should have been a month per year or two months per year or something else. So don't let that happen to you. Don't call the Ministry of Labor. Certainly don't ever do that without speaking to me first. You don't want to compromise your legal rights. Also, isn't it the case if you open up a file with the Ministry of Labor, there ain't, you ain't going back. That's <laughs> you, it. Yeah, you can't get out of it. Yep. That's the thing. Uh, when, when the Ministry of Labor, the, the Employment Standards Act says that once you file a claim, at least as it relates to termination, uh, that's it. You can't get out of it when you realize, well, wait a second, they can only get me two weeks pay and my full entitlements through the legal system would have been six months right. pay. Well, I'm just going to stop the Ministry of Labor process you can't, you're stuck, and then you're not going to get your entitlements. We're talking about things you should never do without calling Lior first. That number, by the way, one 821 5900 Follow the advice given by uh, your Uncle Bob. Yeah. Bob's no. not reliable. Bob's not reliable. If you're getting advice from someone, before you follow that advice, hmm. 
give me a call. And that could be your Uncle Bob, your Aunt Mary. That could be someone on a message board online. That could be a, a, a website. Do not follow. I mean, if you're curious about something, fine. But don't follow advice right. without calling me. So if someone says, you, here's what you should do. You should tell your boss this, or you should write a letter saying that, or you should file a complaint here. Don't do that unless you get that advice from an employment lawyer, okay? It should be obvious. You're not going to get, uh, you know, you're not going to start taking pills unless a doctor- Do your own surgery. Yeah. Just gouge it out with a it's spoon, fine. man. You'll be fine. Don't worry. Just make sure you sterilize it. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to get uh, take pills or, or start uh, operating on yourself because your Uncle Bob told you to do that. You're going to speak to a doctor and say, hey, is that the right course of action? Mm. The same thing here. If you get some advice from someone before you act on it, Check it. Check yourself. And, and again, I've, I've said this before and I'll say it again, John. If you don't like me, that's okay. I will give you the number of another employment lawyer. Just ask for it, okay? Yeah. That's how important it is that you, you get advice from someone that knows what he or she is doing, not from your Uncle Bob. I've seen so many situations, good people following advice of other good people, but the advice was just wrong. Don't do that. Uncle Bob can plunge your toilet. Uncle Bob can do your taps. <laughs> not employment advice. Not employment advice. Not <laughs> that a is good not idea. His thing. No. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is that number. Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots more coming up. Talk radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred Lior at employmenthour.com. Through email, if you haven't checked it out, go to severancepaycalculator.com. We're talking about the things you should never do without calling Lior. Sign that employment agreement, especially, especially if you're already employed. So, an employment agreement, John, is one of the most important documents that someone is going to sign. Okay, it may seem innocuous, it may seem like it's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. An employment agreement can impact a lot of what you do in your life. Can not only does it impact what you what you do when you're working, and we all spend all this time working, it could impact what happens after employment comes to an end. It, it could be hugely, hugely important. So, you don't sign an agreement. You do not sign without getting some advice. Unless that, the only time I'll give you permission to sign it without getting advice, if it's a, a paragraph long and it says your your starting date, your salary, and uh, your your job title. If that's all it says, by all means sign it. Most employment agreements are far mm-hmm. more complicated than that. They have a lot of more problematic things. For example, it could contain terms that limit your future severance. It could contain terms that allow the employer to change your job terms that allow your employer to reduce your pay, to relocate you, to prevent you from working in the industry for two years. So many things that you need to understand. So as a general rule, you're happy you got the job offer. That's great. I'm happy for you. But before you sign, let's understand what you're signing. Give me a call before you do that. Mm. Now, as you said, John, this is that much more important. If you're already working, you already are employed, and your employer comes to you and says, I want you to sign a new employment agreement. Or they may say, we want all employees to sign a new employment agreement. It doesn't matter. The only reason an employer is going to ask existing employees to sign new employment agreement is because that employment agreement provides for terms that are better for the employer, therefore not as good for the employees. So you may be working and sign an employment agreement giving up your rights. So, and the most common situation, John, is employees working, they've had a job for whatever, a year, two years, doesn't matter. Employer asks them to sign an employment agreement, they do, and they lose their job a year, two years, five years later. And then they find out that that employment agreement that they signed limited their severance. And because they signed that, now instead of getting 
$80,000 worth of severance, they get $5,000 worth of severance. Brutal. So that's so common. Don't let that happen to you. Before you sign an employment agreement, give me a call. Let me review it. Let me tell you if there's something in there you should be worried about. And we can then, if there is something you should be worried about, we can talk about how we properly and effectively negotiate it right. uh, to, to change it uh, and, and hopefully come up with a document that you're comfortable signing that's not going to give up your rights. So if, if someone does you know, send you that agreement midstream employment and everything's kosher, looks fine, is there, is there an obligation on the employer when they sign that? Do they have to do something with the employee? Can they just sign it? Yeah, so at the end of the day, if, if, if that employment agreement is fine, there's nothing in it that, mm-hmm. that we care about, just sign it, whatever. Who cares? It it's, it's doesn't change anything. Strictly speaking, for an employer, in order for the employer to make the agreement enforceable with existing employees, if an employer wants existing employees to sign an agreement, right. for that agreement to be enforceable, the employer has to offer them something in return for signing. A signing bonus, a pay increase, a promotion, extra vacation, something in return. So in some situations, you may have signed an employment agreement after you've already started working, and that agreement may not be enforceable because you didn't get anything in return. That said, I never want anyone to sign an agreement thinking, oh, it's not going to be enforceable, so who cares? Don't risk it. That's a bad idea. The, The rule that I always live by is that if you sign it, you have to be prepared to live with it. 1-855-821-5900 one 821 5900 is the number talking about the things you should never do without calling Lior first. Make assumptions as to their status as, oh, we get this one all the time, calls, emails, independent contractor. People assume all the time that it's yeah. very simple to call yourself or to be an independent contractor. All you have to do is say that you are or make sure that the company doesn't withhold your taxes. You're going to pay your own taxes. That makes you an independent contractor. So a lot of people work for, sometimes for years and years and years for a company full-time out of the company's offices thinking, believing, assuming that they are independent contractors. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, you really are an employee even though you may call yourself mm-hmm. something else. So a lot of people assume that. A lot of people believe that that's the case, that it's so simple to be an independent contractor. That's wrong. And then they find out later on there could be problems with uh, CRA. They're going to find out that they don't qualify for EI after employment comes to an end, that they uh, didn't get severance. So always, always look at, at the relationship as a whole. Are you really working for someone or are you in business for yourself? What kind of hours are you working Who's controlling the work that you do? Uh, Are you working uh, for more than one company or just one company? And if you're not sure what your status is, give me a call. Let's talk about it. Let's find out how you do it legally uh, and how do you reduce your liability. You don't want to find out from CRA that they've determined that for the past five years you were an employee instead of an independent contractor. Now you have to pay five uh, years worth of penalties, fines, and back taxes horrible situation. So that distinction between employee and independent contractor is important. And both employers and individuals get this wrong all the time. I mean, how many people have walked away saying, well, you know, they said I was an independent contractor. I was there for 15 years, so I didn't get any severance because I'm not owed. <laughs> wrong. John, I get this Massive. call so many times. And it, 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 here's it's very simple. If you're not sure, if you're an employee or an independent contractor, you're an employee. Right. Because for people that are really independent contractors, they know. There's no doubt. Your plumber that you called when your your sink is leaking, he knows he's an independent contract. He doesn't work for you when he comes to your house right. to fix your sink. Okay, uh, the electrician, etc. They're not 
wondering. If you're not sure, it means you probably are an employee. It means you need to give me a call. Otherwise, every con- company would just have in, uh, independent contractors. Well, and, yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, we, we have how many uh, employees here in this province? You know, uh, hundreds of thousands, maybe more. Uh, well, why? Are, why? Are, are companies just dumb hiring employees when right. they could be hiring independent contractors? No. That's what the law says. You can't call something something that it's not. Otherwise, everyone would do it. So, you know, if you're if you're an employee, then you're an employee, and you can't call yourself something else. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number Lior at employmenthour.com. Check out the Severance Pay Calculator. That is severancepaycalculator.com as well. More of the Employment Hour coming right up. Take a short break. AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lior at employmenthour.com. If you want to know what your severance package should be worth, the correct number, simple, severancepaycalculator.com. Take you about 30 seconds to go through that while we sit here and, and idly chat. Uh, things you should never do without calling Lior first. Oh, here's the biggest one. Possibly sign that severance letter. Yeah, you know, we, we, we could really just stop there because at the end of the day, that is probably the worst thing that you could do uh, without getting legal advice, whether it's from me or another employment lawyer, okay, is sign that severance package. Uh, that severance package, I can tell you, be- is inadequate, not because I know something about your particular severance package. It's because it's inadequate in almost every case. So virtually in every situation where an employee loses his or her job, they're staring at this piece of paper uh, with a lot of words, the severance letter. Mm-hmm. That severance letter presents an inadequate severance offer. It offers the person less than what they are legally owed. And so many people, John, every single day accept that. Yep. They accept it. They sign off because they didn't know any better. They didn't understand. They, they believe the employer, uh, et cetera. They, they read something online. They contacted uncle the Ministry Bob. of Labor or the Uncle Bob yeah. or, or someone else, and, and they accepted that severance offer. So, so this is an important rule, and there should be no exceptions to this rule. doesn't matter if you work for a month or for 50 years. If you lost your job, you have a severance offer in front of you. You do not sign that offer without getting legal advice ever, ever. Even if you think it's adequate, even if you've used a severance calculator and it tells you that it's adequate, you still get legal advice because the devil's in the detail. So, you know, maybe they've offered you 24 months severance and that's fine, but maybe they didn't include your bonus and your car allowance and your benefits and your stock options. Okay. So uh, that alone could be potentially worth tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So you always, always, always have to get some legal advice if you lost your job, if you're looking at a severance package, or if you lost your job without a severance package, then something really wrong is going mm-hmm. on. You definitely have to get some advice. Uh, and, and please, if you, you've talked to your neighbors and they're very upset because uh, someone in that family just lost your job, them stop. Don't do anything. Call hopefully call me, but either way, call an employment lawyer, make sure you review that package, make sure you understand what you're signing. It's not just going through the motions. It's not a formality. It's a must. Yeah. Lior at employmenthour.com is email. Boris writes in, says, uh, I asked for a pay raise because I had not received one in years. And when my boss said no, I resigned and left. Uh, an hour later, I called my boss, told him that I didn't want to resign and uh, want to come back to work. He uh, said that the company's already accepted my resignation. You're out of here. Can I do anything? Well, thank you, Boris. And, you know, obviously it's frustrating that uh, you don't get a pay raise. And obviously if, uh, you know, life is more expensive and you hope that your salary can increase at least to accommodate the increase in in life expenditures. But if that's not the case, an employer is not required to give a pay raise. But I understand your frustration. And if you resign in frustration and then go home and realize, what the heck did I just do? I don't want to resign. I need this job. I don't have another job. 
uh, and you contact the employer, they can't say, well, too bad, we heard you say the R word, the resignation word. No. If you resign in the heat of the moment and you take that back uh, fairly quickly, then that and the employer refuses to allow you to take it back, it becomes a termination. At that point, the company is effectively terminated your employment and owe you severance. So Boris, if in fact an hour later you're contacting this company and say, no, no, I didn't mean it, I want to come back to work, an hour later is extremely quick, uh, obviously, to retract. And at that point, if they've said no, there's no chance this is not a termination. You've been terminated now, Boris, despite the fact that you're the one that said resignation. Give me a call. Let's talk about this. Let's make sure we get you the severance that you're owed. And for everyone out there as well, if you've retracted your termina- your resignation, then the employer has to take you back. If they don't, it's a termination. They have to pay you severance. Uh, but of course, if you retract it a week later, that's yeah, probably- Yeah, what's the threshold? I'm going to say within a couple of days. Okay. Uh, anything longer than that, it's getting problematic within a couple of days. And if you're going to retract it, by the way, John, you want to do it in writing. You don't want the employer to say, no, you never retracted. You never told me. You want to send an email. You want to send a text message. You want to send a letter somewhere where you retract your resignation in writing. Make make it clear that it was in the heat of the moment. You didn't mean it. And at that point, if they refuse to take you back, it's a termination. Just do everything in writing and email when it comes to your employer. Everything, <laughs> right? You know, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Exactly. 100%. Always in writing. You always, uh, you, you can never count on there not being a misunderstanding, or sometimes people lie and they say they didn't get something when they did, so that's why you always have it in writing. 1-855-821-5900, Lior at employmenthour.com. Things you should never do without calling Lior first, and that is accept changes to the terms of employment. Yeah, and and accepting a change to the terms of your employment is, is, is a terrible thing because it could cost you big time. So I'm talking about pay decreases, demotions, relocations, a temporary layoff as a change to the terms of employment. If if you don't do anything about it, you accept it by continuing to work, well, number one, you've accepted the change and now you're stuck with it. But beyond that, you potentially have given the employer the right to do it again and again in the future. So you've taken a a 5%, let's say, pay cut and you're not happy. So problem number one, you're making 5% less now. But beyond that, you've now given them the right to do it again, and maybe next month it's going to be 7% or 10%, and after that it's going to be another. A year later, another 5%, and so on. And and you're stuck. And at that point, you don't get another kick at the can. An employer doesn't have a right to to change the terms of employment unless you gave them that power uh, previously. If they try to change terms of employment, that is a constructive dismissal. It can be treated as a constructive dismissal, and you can leave with compensation. So if you're in that situation... Don't just accept the change. Give me a call first. Let's talk about whether it is a constructive dismissal. If it makes sense to pursue it as a constructive dismissal, how much would you stand to gain? Mm -hmm. Then you can make a decision. So call me first, and then we'll talk about what the right move is. 1-855-821-5900 is that number. Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up. Take a short pause here. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 1-855-821-5900 is the number anytime to get a hold of Lior. It is uh, Lior at employmenthour.com and severancepaycalculator.com. You want to find out what your full entitlements, what you're owed exactly should be. It's uh, about 30 seconds worth of effort and you'll get a uh, correct number right there. Things you should never do without calling Lior first in a temporary layoff situation. Sit home and wait to be called back to work. And, and this is connected directly, John, to what we were talking about before uh, when your employer changes the terms of employment. Well, one of the biggest change they could do is say, don't come in to work. We won't pay you. You'll stay home on a yep. temporary layoff. That's a change. So 
An employer doesn't have a right to lay you off temporarily. That's a termination. But as we said before, if you accept it, if you sit at home and wait for them to call you back and then they call you back, you go back, well, what you've done there is you've given them the right to do it again. And can you imagine now you get laid off every year, every few months, and, and at that point you're stuck, you're going to be without income for a few months every year? Happens all the time, I would Happens imagine. all the time. Yep. It's, and, and, and because you allow them to do it that very first time. So before you do that, before you just accept it and go back to work or sit at home without pay for months at a time, give me a call. Let's talk about whether it makes sense to treat that as a termination, a constructive dismissal, how much severance you stand to gain, uh, and then you may be better off getting your severance. Maybe it's a year's pay. Maybe it's more than a year's pay. And talk about that. And then in the meantime, you can find another job. So uh, don't accept a temporary layoff. Don't sit at home and waiting without getting legal advice. It's very simple. If you've been laid off temporarily, you have to give me a call. Now, there's some jobs that are seasonal or construction where it's it's a given, right? It's a, it's, it's part of the gig. Some jobs, by their very nature, are seasonal. Uh, they, they have ups and downs. They right. have seasons. They have different periods of time, you know, uh, construction, roofing, uh, pool maintenance, etc. There's not a lot of uh, pools in Ontario being maintained in the winter months. Not there's outdoors. Not, no, not outdoors, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Not a lot of roofs that are being uh, put on in the winter months. So, yes, some jobs, by their very nature, mm-hmm. imply that there's going to be a period of time during the year that you're going to be off work, that you're going to be laid off. But, but those jobs are specific. Other jobs, no. Some situations, the employer may feel that they can lay you off because business is slower. Well, guess what? They can't unless it's a seasonal job, and you shouldn't allow them to do it because then they could do it again and again. Get to an email from Martin. says, I'm an employer. I have an employee that is consistently late. I warned him many times about this. I decided to let him go for cause, but before I was able to do that, he went on a disability leave. What can I do? Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I do see this often, John. When and an employee gets kind of a whiff of uh, the fact that they may be let go, they yeah. think the best thing to do is, to, well, let me just go on a medical leave, uh, and that's going to stop it. Well, it doesn't stop it; it may delay it somewhat. So, what I would do here is I would send a letter to this employee if, I, if I'm the employer, and I say, you know, we, uh, uh, we, as you know, we've had some significant concerns about your uh, absences, your your uh, being late, etc. Uh, and we'll, just so you know, we're going to be discussing this with you on your first day back to work as soon as you're clear to, to come back to work. So you lay the foundation. You make it clear that this is something that happened before, uh, and you, you, you don't necessarily terminate at this point. You, you simply tell them you're going to discuss it with them when they come back to work. Hopefully you have records of prior discipline uh, that you've imposed, and if you do, then yes, when the employee is ready to come back to work, you can talk to them about the fact that they're going to be terminated. But remember, John, we shouldn't be talking about a termination for cause unless, of course, the employer did its homework. It, term, uh, it disciplined the employee previously, uh, maybe gave him some warnings, maybe even a suspension, and got to the point where now there's really nothing to do right. other than to terminate for cause. If the employer has not done that, if the employer didn't put in the work to build up its case, well, it's not too late. They can build it now, but they can't jump, jump steps. They can't say, well, I never, I never uh, disciplined him. Now I want to fire for cause. It doesn't work that way. If you want to fire for cause, if you want to fire someone without any severance, you better have all your ducks in a row. You better put in the work and build up your case and show that you've done everything you could do to fix the problem 
but that hasn't succeeded and there's no other option but to fire for cause. But you can't touch them while they're on disability? I wouldn't. If they're legitimately off. If they're legitimately off, I wouldn't. I would give them the heads up as to what may happen and deal right. with them when they come back. Uh, you don't want to be in a situation where they're saying that because you let me go on I'm, while I'm on disability made my condition even worse. I would deal with it when the employee comes back to work. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. The number to get a hold of Lior after the show. Uh, things you should never do without calling Lior first. Quit because you're upset about a workplace issue. That yeah. probably happens all the time. Yeah, it is. And there are situations, John, and we've touched on a couple already, where you you could quit, uh, and then it still could be considered a resignation, and you're still owed compensation. But it's not something that you want to find out later on that you you got it wrong. So you don't want to quit first and then find out whether you were right to quit. Right. So that's putting the cart before the horse. So if you think that something's happened that makes it difficult or impossible to continue working, you want to quit because of it, maybe you're being harassed, maybe you're being mistreated, uh, maybe uh, you're, the terms of your employment have been changed, you've been given more responsibilities, less responsibility, demotion. Before you quit in frustration, I want you to give me a call. Let's talk about whether or not that would be a constructive dismissal. In some situations, we need to do a bit more work in order to get it to that point. Right. Uh, don't, call, don't quit and then call me because if you got it wrong, then it's a resignation and I can't help you. So if you need to leave work, if you're frustrated, you've had enough, give me a call and let's talk about whether quitting is the right move. Take, take a step back and don't jump the gun, right? Call me. Call no. me. We could do that very quickly. It's not like you have to wait a month. Call me. We can talk today and let's find out whether you should be resigning. That number, one 821 5900 and email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to one as soon as we come back from a short break. It is the Employment Hour, Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. 1-855-821-5900 is that number. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. you want to find out what your severance offer should be, the full amount. And if you have any questions after the show, go to terminationquestions.com as well. And uh, we'll get to an email here from Sam. says, I just found out that one of my employees who is on parental leave as a new father is actually working somewhere else. Do I have to take him back at the end of his leave? Yeah, that's that's not good for the employee to do that. So if they're taking off, so you're, you're giving them time off work because you're obligated to because they had a baby sure. and they want to exercise the right to be with their with their newborn child, that's great. But if that's not what they're doing, they're, they want time off from you to work somewhere else, that's, that's, that's wrong. That's taking advantage of the system. And that is dishonest and it's insubordination and that could be cause for termination. So no, I would, as long as you're sure about it, as long as you're sure that that's what the employee is doing, that he or she is working somewhere else when there should be on a, on a parental leave, if you're sure, I would tell them, we found this out because of that. You're on unauthorized leave of absence. You lied to us. To me, that's cause. Yeah. So as difficult as it is to terminate cause, and I've said this many times on the show, it's difficult. That level of dishonesty, to me, that is cause. So yeah, you, you wouldn't have to take him back, but please make sure that you are positive yeah. that he's working somewhere else. Do your else. due diligence on that one for sure. You don't want to find out later that you were wrong. Yeah, Things you should never do without calling Lior. We'll wrap up this list. Another one is accept medical accommodation that doesn't follow your doctor's directions. Yeah, your doctor. If you're, if you're uh, sick, if you're disabled, your doctor is judge and jury when it comes to deciding what kind of accommodation is appropriate, okay? I don't decide, your employer doesn't decide, your right. doctor decides. So as soon as you ask for that accommodation, your employer's obligation is to try to provide that accommodation to you to meet the requirements that the doctor set out. Maybe it's reduced hours. Maybe it's a different job, modified duties. Maybe it's working from home more. Right. 
if your employer says, well, no, I'm not going to accommodate, or I'm going to accommodate, but only do this instead of that, well, wait a second, they may not be complying with their legal obligation. It's a very strict duty to accommodate, which means you don't have to accept it. You don't have to say, well, that's all they're going to do for me, so I don't have a choice. You may have a choice. You may be able to compel them to do what they're required. So if you're seeking accommodation and your employer won't accommodate you, or won't provide proper accommodation, this could be a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do work that you're not physically able to do because your employer says there's no other options. An employer has to work really hard to find uh, a way to accommodate you, and it's not up to them to say, we can't. They can't just do that. And the Dr. Trump's all, really, in that case, he's your medical practitioner. Yeah, Dr. Trump's all. Now, in some situations, the employer legitimately cannot find right. a way to accommodate, but that's not easy to show. It's We call this accommodation to the point of undue hardship. In other words, even if it's hard for the employer, they should still be doing it. At some point, it gets to be too hard, too unreasonable. Right. But it's not easy to get to the point to that point. And in my experience, a lot of employers uh, don't want to work hard enough to find the right accommodation for their employee. The last one on this list of things you should never do without calling Lior first, ignore a non-compete or a non-competition obligation. This is a big one, John. Yeah. It really is a big one. If you sign an employment agreement or some document that says, you know, if you leave or let go or let go, you're not going to compete in the industry for a period of time, you can't and should not just ignore it. Now, it is very true that in some cases, those documents, those obligations may not be enforceable. That's very true. But that's not the question. That's not the issue. What happens if your employer tries to enforce them? Then you're going to get sued. Your new employer is going to get sued, and it's going to be a very long, expensive, and, and unpleasant legal battle. So as a rule of thumb, if again, I've said it before, if you sign it, you have to live with it applies to non-competition obligations. If you sign a non-competition obligation, you have to be pre- uh, prepared to live with it. You have to be prepared to abide by it. And, and if that means now working in an industry, that may be s- something that you have to do. The best advice is if you, you want to work in an industry, talk to your former employer. Hopefully they're reasonable. Hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll tell you that, yes, fine, we're not going to hold you to it as long as you promise to keep things confidential mm-hmm. and not to steal our secrets and our clients. We don't mind where you work. That's the best advice. Uh, and again, if you're not sure whether you should be abiding by the non-competition obligation, is it enforceable? Does it even exist? Right. Give me a call. Totally. Let's talk about it. Don't get sued and then call me. Let's try to avoid you getting sued. We'll get to a last email here for the day. Uh, Matthew in Ottawa writes in, says, I showed up to work on Friday. I was called into a meeting and was handed a termination letter. No reason was given for uh, letting me go. And when I asked, nothing was said. I've been with the company for four years, never had any problems. Can they do that? The, the short answer is that they yep. can. Uh, they can let you go even though you've done nothing wrong as long as proper severance is paid. In many cases, uh, employees feel, rightfully so, that they didn't do anything wrong, they shouldn't be let go, and that's understandable. That's perfectly makes sense to me. I wouldn't want to be let go if I didn't do anything wrong, but that's not the issue. The issue is, of course, whether or not you got severance that's proper. A wrongful dismissal is a situation where you didn't get proper severance, where your employer let you go and didn't pay you what they owe you. And that's what happens very often. So, yes, can they let you go? Yes. But I bet you, without knowing any details still, that they owe you uh, severance uh, a lot more than what they've offered you. 
Good for another uh, week, my friend. In closing, a couple things you should remember. The phone number to get a hold of Lior, 1-855-821-5900. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com through email. And if you want to know what that severance offer should be, simple severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour, Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.